Hi everybody, and welcome to another iWoofs. What are we talking about today, Kelly? Well, today we're going to continue talking about puppy palooza slash the puppy, our puppy class is bad, <laughs> and what is good puppy development, I don't know. Whatever the, uh, uh, sounds like you know, sometimes it feels like you take, you know, five steps forward and then ten steps back, and it comes because of the kennel club. I mean, the oh, good thing okay. is, Probably very few people are going to read the article. I thought you were talking about my title. I, no, 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 no. I think, ouch! I mean, the original article, I was saying the good thing is it's either in the Kennel Club Gazette or it's, um, you know, on their website and, and only one or two breeders are going to read it and not the general public. Because it's, it's really, I think, damaging and it, it's such a shame and the editor should have picked it up. I mean, when I used to write for the American Kennel Club Gazette, I was so lucky I had these brilliant editors who were dog people, Marion Lane, Dominique DeVito. We should, in case people tune into episode two independently, say that we are talking about an article mm, that was trashing puppy classes uh, in, in the, the Kennel Club. In yeah. the Kennel Club, yeah. on the Kennel Club website, if not in their newsletter. By uh, Robert Aline, canine behavioral trainer and member of the UK Registry of Canine Behaviors, board member of the Kennel Club accreditation scheme for instructors. So somebody in quite a powerful position to affect what happens in, in dog training in England and... Um, and the quality of life of many puppies and, and, I and think their it's, Yeah, I think it's a, a sensationalistic and irresponsible article and so we're here to um, kind of dissect that and, and even though there are some good points in there, it seems to be a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. we, we want to counter that and that's what we're continuing to do in this episode two of Puppy... Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I read a lot of articles like this where someone, well, it's easy to be critical, someone is criticizing something and let's, they're criticizing not well-taught puppy classes, but the article is called Puppy Classes Are Bad. No, no, no. A well-taught puppy class is just a dream and it produces puppies like you cannot believe. Mm -hmm. No question about that. That is really, uh, we picked up all the developing problems and giving him that extra boost if he was becoming fearful or a bit of a bully or um, non-compliant with the owners. Right, I think that we would agree with some of the criticisms he has of bad puppy classes. Yeah, absolutely. But our solution wouldn't be to say that puppy classes are bad, but that how do you make bad puppy classes into good puppy yeah, classes? Otherwise, that's, it's that's no different it. than yeah. some, someone saying, well, food training is bad and, and because this person does it poorly, or mm -hmm. your training is bad because somebody doesn't know how to... Click. You know, that's, you can't, you can't. You know. Or luring is bad because you don't know how to lure. I've read that recently. How someone really doesn't like luring because it's it's impossible to do with some dogs. And I thought, well, no, maybe you don't know how to lure. Mm -hmm. So so let's keep very positive. And also, then, there so. is there are, you know with that in mind. Not that luring. I don't see how. You, anyway, you know, there will be. There's always an exception. You know, that doesn't mean that the technique in and of itself is. Faulty, you know. There may be a puppy, or I'm just gonna say, or shouldn't go to puppy class, you know, for whatever reason. I am sure they, there are reasons. Um, that is not the norm. I can't think of any right now. Can puppies have leprosy? Or he is criticizing puppy classes um, and puppy socials. He seems to hate those and pass the puppy. He, so listen, how do we do these well? So a puppy class. What are the aspects of a good puppy class. So Kelly, you go first, or Jamie. What are the aspects of a good puppy yeah, class? Yeah, what is a good puppy class? A good puppy class is human-centric, uh, human and puppy-centric. It mm -hmm. is about relationship. It um, focuses a lot on handling 
and um, padding up the puppy for daily life experiences. This is not where they learn their basic obedience. This is where they've developed or practiced life skills they should have been developing. Uh, number one reason for puppy class is to continue to practice bite inhibition, especially because in the home, most people have um, cut that short, thwarted the early puppy biting too soon. Because they've been led to believe that the pup is dominating you if he bites. Or oh, it just so hurts. They just don't want it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and so this is where the puppy class is so good that it's a small pond, same age group, because we get levels of energy, lots of puppies biting, play fighting and play biting each other. We really amp up the bite inhibition training. I mean, I think... So, so that is good. What I would say strikes me as one of the most important things of puppy classes is you get that energy and then you can practice controlling that energy. Yep. So, you know, you get the play fighting, but then you practice a sit in there. A good puppy class does make sure that training and playing are not mutually exclusive. Right, it's all mixed up. The lines should be blurred so that training um, is fun to do and playing, uh, being interrupted by a training session is just part of the ongoing And play training has rules, yes, just yes. like a game of football or yeah. soccer or hurley, heaven forbid. There weren't rules, people would be massacred. You know, so many puppy classes um, that I've seen over the years, not not our classes per se, but in general, when people talk about them or if I've ever viewed them in another in another, another location, um, there's formal training, almost like just almost old-fashioned formal training, like obedience type stuff, and then and then a free for all, mm-hmm. generally at the end, or you know, or heaven forbid, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but they are distinct periods. Yeah. So puppy has free-for-all time for an extended period of time, sometimes 10 minutes, which is a very long time. Um, and maybe there's a couple of 10-minute sessions where it's free-for-all, which means no human interaction or intervention. And the puppies, of course, are having a grand time, just you know, being goofy on their own. And then it's um, long stretches of sitting still or... Listening or, to the trainer talk. Or tension training, yeah. or training in very, you know... A puppy can't hold its attention span for more than a few mm-hmm. seconds at a time, and now we're going to have a practice session for some kind of obedience for ten more minutes, and you know clearly that yeah. gets to be so, boring. So in those classes, it's really advertising to the puppy. Um, you know, play is a lot of fun, and training, training is a drag. Training with my owner, yeah, yeah is a because trip. I, mean, yeah. I see the owners are always having to try to continue to get to keep their puppy's attention for, you know, five, ten minutes at a time. No, no, come over here, come over here, and they're kind of pulling them over mm-hmm. or forcing their attention. Um, there, aren't enough, there isn't enough feedback and there aren't enough breaks, um, both in training and in play, you know. So if we list then why are we doing puppy classes, I would say there's three reasons. One, to teach bite inhibition, well, which is now something that is never mentioned in this uh, article. To teach bite inhibition, no. It, it's, well, let, let me finish what I say. Then obviously the puppies learn themselves and they should be a long way along. But it's to, that's the third point. So number one, bite inhibition, socializing with people. If we have 12 puppies, we do have 24 people there to handle the puppy so that it's easy when he goes to the vet and the groomer. But the most important reason is to check on the progress of developing bite inhibition and socialization with people. And if it ain't going according to plan, to do something about it really quickly, to tone down the bully, to bolster up the fearful dog, uh, to deal with the hard biter, to deal with the dogs that aren't biting at all because they aren't in the play session. And, and so I look on puppy classes as not a place to do it. It's a place to check that it's been done. If not, then to fast track it really quickly. Yes, and, and I think people get, get stuck on the idea that puppy class is 
about obedience to a certain degree, and then puppy play. And frankly, when we're talking socialization, we're talking people socialization, we, I said this in I think the last episode, more than puppy socialization. Dog trainers are so dog-centric that they think that this is about dogs learning how to be around other dogs and play and socialize with other dogs. And frankly, you know, as much as it's good to have a well-rounded, you know, cool canine who can ha- hang out with anybody, um, most most dogs in most suburban homes and you know are not going to have to deal with that many dogs yeah. in their lives. If they if they don't learn how to socialize with dogs, that's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, if they can't cope with noises and new environments and being handled by humans, that is a death sentence. Right. Yeah, and, and that's the point in the article when he was so down on past the puppy, and I thought, whoa. Yeah. And well, pass the puppy is, you know, you pass it, I handle the puppy, and we look all the potential bite triggers, the ears, the paws, the muzzle, the collar, the rear end, the ulis, hugging it, going kissy face. We handle them, we give treats, we classically condition the puppy, right. and then we pass them to the next person. And the thought that this isn't done, you have a dog now who's going to live a life, um, the quality of life is rubbish. This poor dog, if he's scared of people, if people are his biggest nightmare, he's going to have to face them every day. And just walking down the street, let alone a visit to the vet clinic or the groomer, this dog is hurting. Mm-hmm. And we cannot subject dogs to that. We know we can prevent it before three months of age by having a couple of hundred people come to the house safely right. um, and, and handle the, the puppy there. So that was the point in the article where I thought, dude, we have to do an iWoods. Well, I think it was a very poor analogy. I don't know if you remembered it, but when he was criticizing Pat the Puppy, he uh, likened it to, let's say, a, a woman is traveling on a train, yes. and uh, there's a stranger in her carriage that she doesn't like the look of. I know. And so, you know, he, she's anxious about him, and... So how would she feel if he then came up and started stroking her hair and uh, fondling her clothes and stuff? Wouldn't that wouldn't that put her over the edge? And then imagine if another dozen of his friends he came up move, and also he, he should move to Berkeley. <laughs> it's just there are so many things that are wrong with that analogy. Not, a, yeah, yeah, that not, it's not, analogy. not very helpful. We're trying to do it gently. It's kind of like I mean the same. Well, and they are strangers. First of all, I mean puppy class and puppy class socialization to new people only really happens week one. One. Yeah. Um, in, I mean unless you have people bring new people in every week, which isn't a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to know their group, and so they're not strangers, but they are people that aren't you, you're the owner of the puppy, yeah. and that's important. And you want them to learn to generalize that handling by humans is okay. You don't want them to be, I mean, you, you do want them to be the person on the train that is okay and relaxed. Right? And, and, and yeah, and specifically, we want them to learn it's okay being handled by a stranger, because that's what socialization is, so that at the time when fears naturally develop, five, six, seven, eight months, Instead of them developing, the handling we did way back here prevents the dog from becoming standoffish, wary, aloof, fearful, reactive and aggressive towards unfamiliar people. And they don't have to love everything. The idea is that if, you know, if your dog is only handled by you and will tolerate um, maybe uncomfortable handling, such as a vet or a grooming procedure or you know, slightly invasive handling, by you because they they know you they trust you they have a relationship with you and there's lots of social padding in your relationship that allows that to be okay if they are just tolerating that from you because now they're under duress 
they won't probably tolerate it from a stranger. That adds <coughs> another layer of stress yeah. that takes it over the edge. What we want them to learn to do in puppy class is not just tolerate all this handling, but to enjoy Thoroughly and accept enjoy it. it. Yeah. So yeah. that and by several people, so that when push comes to shove, instead of it pushing them from tolerance to intolerance and stress, it just pushes them from being relaxed into tolerating behavior. You know, when perhaps they do have a thorn in their paw, or they're getting their nails clipped, or they've got a little knot behind their ear that needs to be groomed yeah. out. Um, that should not put them over the edge because they should um, be at such a high level of acceptance for comfortable handling. We we want to avoid stress in puppies. We're not certainly not trying to to create it. In but but I think this is a very big issue. I've heard this argument before um, from trainers who saying in the socialization at home or in the puppy class or what have you, it's too much for the puppies and they get stressed. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't do it. And I think, no! If you are doing this stuff with an eight-week-old puppy and he's stressed, oh my God, ding, 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 warning sign. What's going to happen in just three months, you will have an untouchable adolescent well, dog. Well, they're generally not eight so, weeks old, though. They're probably more like 12... 15 weeks in puppy class, and at that point, maybe they, maybe the remedial socialization hasn't been done, so it does need to be done, but we do have to take care of how we do it. So at that point... Yes, but the point is, if you're getting a reaction out of a young puppy, they need more yes, gentle but, handling okay, and socialization, but, not yes, less. Yes, but not flooding. Yeah. And I think people don't understand what the difference is, or how to... They're, they're lumping that. They're lumping that. So if you have a puppy that's already showing some fear and stress, you don't just flood them by throwing them into a pit of kindergartners. No, but even you know? flooding would be difficult to do if you had a four-week-old puppy, I'm a five, a six, a seven, a eight. Ar article, yeah, yeah. article, article, <laughs> argument that people, um, you know, I mean, and there is some validity to. I mean, we can't say that you that that poor puppy classes don't exist or that there aren't people out there doing it wrong. Um, you tend to think that, and I think it's generally true, that when people are doing it wrong, it's because they are avoiding these uncomfortable situations, like maybe two puppies um, communicating to each other with a few growls or snaps, and they're, or, uh, they're avoiding um, handling a puppy that is a little uncomfortable with handling. You think that's what's happening in class. What these trainers are worried about is the opposite, is that without seeing, when seeing signs of stress, they're not giving a puppy an opportunity to, to hide and peek or, yeah. to, or to gradually... They just stop doing it. And no, that's what you say yeah. happens. I don't think that's what people are... are that, and that is what happens because they don't know the alternative, yeah. how to do it right, because they don't want to just overwhelm. I mean, I, that's what they're against, is overwhelming. But and again, the wonderful thing is, and I really go out on a line here, it is very difficult when you flood a puppy to do harm to it. If we're talking socialization, they simply just fall asleep and they wake up uh, 20 to 40 minutes later, all refreshed and ready to go again. If you do that, you're not going to have these fears naturally develop at five, six, seven, eight months. No, but oh, but sorry, but yeah, but no, you the big difference is if you don't do this, and now you flood a dog easily to do at five months of age, you take him to the shopping mall or you take him to the children, the puppy then reacts not by falling asleep and like recovering, but by freaking out, and then his socialization stops. Mm -hmm. And at that point, his life is a life of disaster. 
he's scared of people, yet he still keeps having to see people. Right, so if it's, if it's very difficult to overwhelm a puppy with socialization, but it's quite possible to overwhelm an adolescent dog with socialization, then I would imagine there's a spectrum in between yep. where it gets, gets more and more difficult and where you have to be more and more careful about overwhelming the puppy. And not that you don't do right. it, but that you do it carefully. So if a puppy is screaming every time you touch its ear, you don't just keep squeezing its ear. Yeah. You know, right? but the, I mean, this was the original research. I mean, it's the reason I started all this stuff. This was the original research I read years ago in the 70s. It was all done in the, the 60s, showing that the tendency for a puppy to approach an unfamiliar person, animal, object decreases as they get older and comes down to next to nothing by 13 weeks of age. On the other hand, and this is what we forget, the notion of a puppy to stay away from an unfamiliar situation, object, person, increases with age. And it becomes increasingly difficult to socialize a puppy. All of this is graphed out, and it happens so early on, and, and that is why the in-the-home social, in, in the kennel socialization, and in-the-home socialization is so important, because by the time we get to three months, it is most more likely that the puppy will avoid unfamiliar people then they will approach them. So yes, exactly. And this is why we're going to have a, an entire episode on what to do beyond puppy class, either prior to, I mean, and by beyond, I don't mean after. I mean mm, outside. Outside, outside of, in addition yeah, to, in addition concurrently. Yes, yes, as well. Um, because that is such an important piece of the, of the puzzle. Um, I, I, we, we should probably cut this one pretty soon, but I do, I, I, I still want, I guess I want people to understand that Early, so you're saying the earlier the better, the more the better. It does change gradually, Jamie, as you're saying, as the puppy is getting older. Um, as If you have a puppy who maybe started puppy class late and they're already, let's say, 15 weeks of age or you know, 14 weeks of age and they're already showing some signs of being a little shy or nervous or um, you know, don't want to be handled, um, of course you move gradually, but you move gradually quickly so that you can still do this in this small time window that you've got. You don't not do it, and you don't put them into, a, into an adult rehab-type program, but you, we just then progressively, you know, kind of condition and desensitize them, you know, but at a rapid pace in the few weeks of class, yes? I think people just think that willy-nilly, you know, they, you have, you have to look at every individual puppy in class and obviously try to make the right decision for them, but what you're saying is the right decision is never to just stop. Never to stop. Avoid. Not with a puppy, because you damn his life. I mean, that, that's essentially it. No. Yeah. Okay, well, there's, I don't know, there's... That's it, then? I mean, I feel like what I would take away from this is that a puppy class is as good as the teacher. Trainer. Yeah. Right, you need an yeah. intelligent, capable trainer who sees when dogs are being too, you know, overly energetic, or being too fearful, and, and then intervenes. And literally understands, yeah, why we're we doing it, and intervenes. That is a very good point, yeah. and it's a point that uh, I think is often flipped when people become trainers, and this was um, discussed at the um, the uh, Wolf European Behavior Conference that I went to a few months ago, or last month, whenever that was. Um, people tend to think that because puppy class it should be a piece of cake because it's puppies that new trainers can start there but actually puppy class is the oh, most right. important class right. yeah. and your most experienced you know and knowledgeable trainers should mm -hmm. be the ones that are doing it it is not a place for newbies mm -hmm. um, because it is so important indecision causes so much harm and um, we can end with this Jamie I see you've highlighted this um, in the article 
the the um, author says, I see no benefit in running a class just for puppies. Instead, all classes should have dogs of different ages, breeds, sizes, and sexes, since that's what they will meet every day. And you said that would be great. Mm -hmm. and so the first part of that is sheer stupidity. The second part is a very valid point. That's what true socialization is. So the first part, you see that he sees no benefit in running a public yeah, class. Yeah, there's loads of benefits to run a public class. And I would class. say one of the benefits yeah. is that allows you potentially to then have dogs that have bite inhibition that you can trust with puppies and with different age Precisely. groups. Precisely. You know, I mean, which would be great. You know. Ongoing puppy socials, which we have at Sirius, are social times that you know all all anyone who's ever graduated from, a, from puppy one and puppy two can come and continue to come to socials all through their adult life, yeah. and the idea there is that you have a better, more rich community. Different um, ages, they all have bite division, and this is something that would just eliminate bullying, boom, like that within seconds. That could be a whole I was right there. The importance of different age group socialization be, actually. We can, classes. We can do that maybe well, next. it's half of my seminar. <laughs> That's why I've been lecturing about it. <laughs> Which seminar is that? The uh, we're wasting puppyhood part oh, of right. science-based dog training we're with feeling. Puppyhood. Yeah, that, that, that is what is true. Which you can now watch online, and that will be the next profit stream in dog training. I predict. Wasting puppyhood? No. <laughs> Multi-aged. Multi yeah. uh, mixed mixed yeah. play yeah. groups. Yeah. Like a, a canine country club yeah. or just a canine social evening. All right. Hey, we're way over time, guys. We just go on and on and on. We should cut this one. Oh, we're right on schedule. Yeah. That's a schedule. Yes. Well, yeah. thanks for listening or watching, everybody. Listening. Listening. Yeah, oh, listening. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye.